after almost 15 hours of Twitter silence, Donald Trump was back on complaining that he had been robbed in Iowa, whining about how he's not getting enough attention and demanding that Iowa hold another vote because Cruz stole the election. Why did Cruz steal the election? What kind of people do we have running for office? No, it's honestly, really, really dishonest. And I think I know why. You know why? Because he was born in Canada. You watch. The Democrats, <laughs> they've already said they're going to sue him. He gets the nomination. They're going to sue his ass off. So here to discuss all that and more is Steve Hayes. Steve, is it the evil Canadian cheating that has uh, been Donald Trump's downfall in Iowa? The tradition of cheating in Canada. <laughs> Yeah, that that must be it. I mean, look, I'm no fan of the Canadian national hockey team, and, and they're our rivals every time we play them in the Olympics. But otherwise, I don't think Canada is that bad. I actually like all, all these people from Canada. So, Steve, we had a Donald Trump who handled his loss in Iowa seemingly gracefully. He managed to stay off Twitter for 15 hours or so. But, ah, here we are. It seems like the same old Donald Trump is back. He's using profanity. He's yelling at people, insulting people, demanding a revote. Is this the real Trump we're seeing now? No, yeah, it is. I mean, you can only hide that for so long. Trump is who he is. I mean, and to a certain extent, this is what his supporters like. They they love this bold, brash, aggressive Trump. I don't think people, you know, his supporters, people inclined to consider him for their votes are are likely to to approve of the the soft-spoken uh, magnanimous Trump that we saw in his concession speech the other night. But I, I wonder, you know, it's one of the pieces of speculation out of Iowa is that as the uh, vote approached and people thought about, oh, my gosh, I'm picking the next leader of the free world, that Trump's unseriousness, his kind of you know, reality TV veneer didn't help him. Now he's playing right back into that. Well, look, I mean, that was one theory. Of, of sort of Trump support all along was, well, you know, it's it's the uh, the dating the rebel theory where, you know, whether you're a, a, a girl and you wanted to date the, the boy in high school with the leather jacket and the motorcycle, but you didn't want to marry him. Or if you're a guy and you wanted the, the girl with the, the pierced nose and purple hair, but you didn't want to marry her. People equated that to Donald Trump. And I think there's some truth to that. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're talking about the commander in chief. We're talking about somebody who has control of the nuclear arsenal. Um, it, it, it There suggests a lack of seriousness that you and I have talked about now for six, eight months when Donald Trump goes on these Twitter tirades. Uh, that, that this is going to be the guy who is going to control our national security. I mean, that, that he can be he can be persuaded by Vladimir Putin that uh, Putin's really not that bad a guy because Putin praises him. I mean, it's just, you know, he's a he's an odd guy. Well, he's an odd guy, but he's in New Hampshire, though, where he's leading the you know by 22 points over Ted Cruz. And this is where I wonder if. Senator Rand Paul dropping out might be a small part of something bigger. And it goes like this, Steve. Uh, Carson, now Paul Huckabee, who's also dropping out. These guys are not players in any in Santorum. They're not players in any meaningful way in New Hampshire. Together, they've got like eight, nine percent, maybe if the old, you know, Ron Paul people show up, 10 percent. If that tends to migrate towards uh, Cruz, Suddenly, Cruz is up around 20 percent. Could Cruz be getting kind of a reverse endorsement by having Rand Paul drop out? 
Yeah, I think it probably helps Cruz that Paul dropped out. And you'll know that, that, that Cruz made a play for Paul voters in Iowa. I mean, he had a video, I remember when I was out there in October, um, watching Cruz showing this video where he claims to be the rightful heir of Ron Paul's political movement uh, in Iowa. It was a pretty bold and aggressive play, I would say, by Cruz to sort of step in front of his colleague and one-time friend, Rand Paul, and say, look, you might think you're your dad's heir, but I <laughs> right. think I'm his heir. Uh, but look, I mean, it, it appeared to work. Rand Paul got 5%, and Iowa Cruz obviously did much, much better. Um, I think there's a case to be made that, that Rand Paul getting out helps Ted Cruz. What, what's sort of striking, though, is you have to remember Rand Paul was leading in New Hampshire a year ago. He right. was second in Iowa a year ago. So, so we've seen this fall of Rand Paul, and I think there are basically two factors. One, uh, Rand Paul was going to be this big voice of the outsider. Remember when he was elected to the Senate, when he gave his acceptance speech, he said, this is a victory for the Tea Party. Wasn't Republican, wasn't right. Democrat. This is a, a victory for the Tea Party. But Donald Trump and and Ted Cruz certainly uh, have louder voices on that front. And then the second thing was all of the talk that we heard about this huge Republican constituency that was non-interventionist and it was a growing population in the Congress and it reflected the sentiment of Republicans out in the country. First of all, I think that was exaggerated from the beginning. There is that constituency inside the Republican Party, but it's small and it remains small. And however enlarged it might have been uh, in sort of the the post-Libya days, it shrunk pretty dramatically when the Paris attacks happened, when the San Bernardino attacks happened. You know, Steve Hayes, when you think about the trajectory we see, I I happen to think that this meltdown with Trump whining about wanting a do-over and tweeting out about no one appreciates the money I'm spending on myself and on and on and on. I think it's going to hurt him, even in New Hampshire, where he would tend to find fertile ground. I think that the the, the dropping out of these evangelical-linked or libertarian-linked candidates is going to tend to give Cruz a little bit of a boost. And so now, all of a sudden, you've got Trump somewhere in the 20s, Cruz around 20. That means Marco Rubio could get shunted out because he, I, I, you know, Kasich, Bush, and Christie supporters aren't likely to go anywhere, are they? Aren't they going to stick with their guys, at least through New Hampshire? You know, it's a good question because all three of those candidates, so-called establishment lane candidates, have placed a significant amount of emphasis in New Hampshire. Their campaigns are basically dependent on a good performance in New Hampshire. Each of them has spent more than 100 days in New Hampshire. Rubio is something less than that, but I think in the 70s. Uh, so, yeah, you, you would think that if they had built this constituency, they might be able to hold some of those voters. On the other hand, if you're a New Hampshire voter and you saw what happened in Iowa, where Marco Rubio got 23 percent of the vote mm -hmm. and together, Christie, Kasich and Bush got, what, 7 percent, not even 7 percent. So so Rubio got triple what those three candidates got. And there's some real spin going on from Jeb Bush world and Chris Christie world on the effort that they made in Iowa. You know, they're all saying, wow, we really all did on New Hampshire. We didn't play much in, in Iowa. Well, the, the second, the, the first of those propositions is true. They, they had focused on New Hampshire, but this notion that they didn't play in Iowa, both of them were there more than a couple dozen times. Uh, Jeb Bush's super PAC spent some almost $15 million 
in Iowa. So the idea that Jeb Bush wasn't a presence there or that Chris Christie didn't spend time there is just false. And, you know, I think you have to look at their totals in Iowa and say this is the, the judgment that Iowa voters rendered. And it wasn't because they hadn't been there, which is a, a, an argument that John Kasich can make. It's because their message didn't resonate. Well, if I'm living in New Hampshire and I used to do uh, you know talk radio up in New England, I'm riding, I'm I'm standing out on a street corner election day with a sign that says, "Jeb, where's my twenty eight hundred dollars? I'll be happy to vote for you," because that's about what Jeb spent per vote in Iowa. Yeah, pretty stunning. Pretty stunning that Jeb Bush would would get uh, less than three percent. Right. I do think he'll do better in in New Hampshire. I mean, it's more suited to him in some respects. Um, and as I say, he's placed a lot of emphasis there. But uh, but but that's a tough that was a tough hit for him in Iowa. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why anyone in New Hampshire would vote for Jeb Bush, because, you know, he's not a winner. You know, he's not going forward. And you've got a winning candidate in Marco Rubio. Why not back another guy from Florida who's yeah, he's more conservative than Jeb Bush, but not all. You know, he's not, you know, a nut. And so, I mean, a vote for Jeb is a total wasted vote. Why not vote for Rubio? Yeah, I mean, I think the Bush people would would argue, hey, look, this is where we're placing our emphasis. This is where we're putting our our resources. This is where Jeb has spent the most time. You know, he's clearly trying to to reset the race. That's the word they used after Iowa in New Hampshire, going on to uh, South Carolina. Then they think they have a good ground operation in Nevada that can move to the March 1st states and then eventually to to Florida on March 15th. And that this gives him a a chance at a comeback. I just think it's a very, very tough case. And if you if you have spent time, if you've actually campaigned in Iowa, remember the, his national chairman, Jeb Bush's national chairman, was an Iowa political hand. I mean, he had placed significant right. emphasis on Iowa early, and you get less than three percent. I just think it's a very hard case to make that you're a national Republican. And then finally, you look at his favorability unfavorability rating. Uh, he has among the highest unfavorability rating among Republican primary voters of any candidate surpassed only by Donald Trump. And there are some polls which Jeb Bush uh, has a worse favorability rating than Donald Trump. So, so Jeb's solution. How, I- how do you turn that around? I just think it's a really, really hard argument. And you've now, you're now in a situation after Rubio's strong performance in Iowa where, where big Republican donors and longtime Bush supporters, including friends of the family, are saying – to one another, and I suspect saying to the candidate, look, enough is enough, man. This is not happening. Well, I know what Jeb needs to do. He obviously needs to use more profanity and then whine about how the election was stolen. That's the right. That's the winner's way, Steve Hayes, the winner's way. Steve not, sure he can, not sure he can pull that off. That seems to be – Trump's got that market cornered. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. You bet.